Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is pride. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, to be clear, we're not talking about one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> we are talking about pride because June is Pride Month. Yes, it is. And from there, my question to you is, where would you like to start this conversation? Well, that's a great question. I guess one of the things that I would like to say is that this is Pride Month referring to our LGBTQIA plus community. Mm -hmm. And while we have repetitively in our podcast defined LGBTQIA plus, Let's take just a moment to highlight some of those. So lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, and A is for asexual, aromantic, agender individuals. Mm -hmm. And in recent years, particularly over the pandemic, one of the things that I have learned a lot about is about something called split attraction model, which okay. is where you... Take a look at how you relate to individuals and ponder attraction, not as a whole package, but kind of a split attraction, where you take a look at romantic attraction separate from physical sexual attraction. Okay. And you understand, or a person can come to an understanding, that they may be romantically attracted to individuals very differently than they are sexually attracted to individuals. Okay. And sexual attraction, you may or may not have any. Someone may be asexual, which is part of that A category, mm -hmm. or aromantic, which is part of that A category, in the same way where someone may be agender, which means that they do not identify with a particular gender. With that split attraction model that I have been personally learning about, even though I've been steeped in queer culture for most of my life, this kind of piece that I have personally been learning about in these years, I have come to an understanding and a definition for my own self that I am asexual and panromantic. And so this is my first pride openly queer and accepting that for myself. And so this is an exciting pride for me. Congratulations. Thank you. I have been a part of the queer community for a very long time and used to joke that I'm as queer as a straight girl can get. Little did I know <laughs> that ace was a thing that was out there and what it is to be ace, what it is to be asexual and to understand that and to come to an understanding of how that has impacted my life throughout my life without knowing what it was. And so this year, for me, my first pride being fully out mm -hmm. to myself and to my community, and I am coming out in this way for my community because it's important. Mm -hmm. It's important for representation, for people to see adults in the ACE community, for people to be able to see clergy in the ACE community, for people to know they're not alone. ACE is an underrepresented community. And so that is a piece for me. So for Pride this year, this is my coming out year. It's kind of extra special and a little extra fun, huh? 
Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to be a little extra flashy. I like it. Extra sparkly when I get to Pride this year. The whole what do they call it? Is alphabet soup a derogatory way or is that a way that people just refer to the string of letters that go onto it? I don't know, but it's better than some of the other terms that I've heard. <laughs> alphabet mafia is another one I've heard, and that one feels a little awkward sometimes. Sure. The beauty of the yarn store is there are a couple of wonderful dyers who will do colorways based on the pride flags. Yeah. And every year we get all the colors and there's something that comes through. And I'm like, well, now I have another term that I get to research and learn because it is a constantly changing thing. Yeah. And expanding. And what a beautiful opportunity to learn more about ourselves Mm -hmm. and to learn more about who people are and how people are in the world. And I think that that's such an awesome permission giving. When I shared sometime in the last year about this on my social media, I had people who wrote to me this makes so much sense and sharing stories, multiple people, not just one or two, but Mm -hmm. multiple people who shared stories from their life where learning about this and that this exists can be really Mm life-changing. And so it's hard. It's scary. It's not easy to share that. And I will say that my coming out does not mean that anyone has any right to ask me about my physical life with my spouse or has any right to ask me anything private about how I live my life. But this is a part of my identity and it is a part of my identity that I am growing to learn how to celebrate and how to embrace in a way that gives me permission to find some joy and some excitement. And so for Pride, I'm very hopeful to celebrate that. And I think that that is part of what pride is about. It is about learning how to celebrate in spite of the kind of negatives that we may feel or hear or experience. Pride didn't start out as, hey, let's party because we're different than everybody else. No, pride started with a riot. Exactly. Pride began as a riot, as a way of standing up against hatred and as a way of standing up against individuals who literally would like to erase and hide those who are different culturally. And in a world right now that would very much like for queer community to disappear. Mm -hmm. And is trying very hard to actively make that happen. Absolutely. Being able to be visible and choosing to be visible, choosing to be seen and choosing to be out is a courageous act of privilege, frankly, Mm -hmm. and is not just about being loud, as some people may wish to think that it is. When you think about the Pride this year, how do you think it's going to be different from other years? I mean, we're talking about something that hasn't happened for two years because of a pandemic. We're talking about it happening in a time when there is so much legislation that is being enacted to work against this particular community, do you think it's going to be more celebratory or do you think it's going to be more confrontational? So I'll say a couple pieces on this. I think first and foremost is to say that pride has still been happening, even though the pandemic hasn't been, because pride is something that we can do whether or not we can gather. Being proud of who we are and celebrating it and doing pieces of education 
that's something that we do regardless of whether or not we gather. Whether or not you can have a parade. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. The festival and the parades and those kinds of pieces haven't been happening because of the pandemic. Last year, there was a gathering for the parade in a fashion, Mm -hmm. but it was vastly different than what we're accustomed to here in Portland. And the Waterfront Festival hasn't happened in two years at all. I, I don't know how it will be different this year than it was previous to the pandemic. I think the last time we gathered for the festival in 2019, it was already shifting and changing in some ways. Okay. From how it had been in previous years. And I'm very curious how it's going to be coming back and entering into it post-pandemic. I think planning the booths, the Central Lutheran booth and planning the Sacred Space booth that we've had for the Central booth, I think we've had for over a decade now. Nice. The Sacred Space booth we've held for, I think, at least eight years now. So these booths, I know the Sacred Space booth will be different. Mm -hmm. Partially, we won't be doing glitter beards. Okay. Because people should be masked. Sure. At least the staff at booths are required to be masked as per the festival ground rules and regulations. So I think that we're going to need to ponder how are we going to create the space and what are we going to be creating in that space? And I don't know whether people will want manic, joyful space or if they will be longing for quiet, connective space. I'm very, very curious what is going to be the heart longing of community when we get there to the festival ground. I have no idea what to expect. Interesting. So in the past, what other religions have you seen that have been represented at Pride? Many. Yeah? Many of them. And our booth, the Sacred Space booth in particular, is an interfaith space. And we represent as many welcoming congregations as there are here in the Portland metro area, which is a vast variety from Christian of many, many denominations to Jewish. And we have a large offering of religious spaces within our area that are welcoming and affirming congregations. That being said, on site, there's ourselves, there are Presbyterians. MCC, of course, has a large presence there. MCC. Metropolitan Community Church. Okay. And Metropolitan Community Church is a denomination that was founded for the queer community. Okay. Long before other denominations would serve the queer community. And so Pastor Nathan Meckley is the pastor there, and MCC here in Portland is an awesome and amazing congregation, and I love working with them. They're the ones that were just down the road from us sure, and sold their building, and it's now a tavern, and they're doing awesome and fantastic things in another congregation over off of Hawthorne. Okay. They're fabulous, and I look very much forward to being near them at the festival again this year. Okay. So along with the presence of the religions that are affirming, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing there are also protesters who are religious that are not affirming. Correct. Do you see these people and want to engage with them or do you just let it go because there's not a lot of changing that hard heart 
What we have done in the past is when we have had specific street preachers who have shown up and come to stand like right outside the entrance, for example, Mm -hmm. with their signs and with their language Mm -hmm. and their loudness. We have individuals who know which booths we are at, the welcoming congregations are at, Uh and they will come and find those of us in collars who are prepared and somewhat trained for this activity. Okay. And we will gather up. Usually we will have our own large signs and then we will go outside of the gates or outside of the space and we will stand in front of them and then hold up and block their signs and simply block. Sort of a silent protest of your own? Yep. You don't engage them. Don't talk back to them. Don't speak back to them. Just block them. And the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are particularly excellent with this because they're usually much taller than I am. Wait, who are the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? Oh, they're glorious, glorious, fabulous individuals who are dressed to the nines. Okay. And are usually quite tall with very large habits, very sparkly very big, gorgeous, glorious makeup, very tall hats. So the whole and point very is large to fans. Be a sparkly wall. And their fans can block things very well. Oh, that's wonderful. And so with the help of the sisters usually and ourselves, like my whole size of five foot five, I'm not that tall. Mm-hmm. I can have a big presence, but I'm not that tall to block their very large posters. But a sister in heels who might have started at six foot before she put on her heels and then (laughs) added her two foot hat, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, she is all that and a flying veil Mm -hmm. and a very large fan can do a lot more of blocking than I can. We just block the space and then try to get the abuse aimed at us. Oh, wow. So that it doesn't go on to the kids. And the point of that is that if you can de-escalate by taking it and not interacting, Uh they get bored and they go away. If you interact with them, they're filming because what they want is they want video clips, they want audio clips, they want something to prove their agenda. They Hmm. want something to show people And they're trying to rile people up. Even better if they can get you on camera being reactive. Sure. So that they can use that to sue you or to dox you or to do those kinds of things. So it's evil and it's cruel. So that's what we've done in the past is we just block them until they get bored and go away. Usually it takes about five minutes, ten minutes. Oh, wow. That's it. That's amazing. That's all it takes. What is the most common reaction you get to people when they see you at Pride in a collar? It varies from complete lack of recognition. We are in the Pacific Northwest, after all. Would not surprise me that people wouldn't even know what that particular little symbol is. It's not flashy in any way. Yeah. To recognition and knowing that not only am I wearing a collar, but I'm usually decked out in festival rainbow shenanigans. So it's obvious that you're there supportive. Right. 
I'm not just there in like black clerics looking all boring. I got glitter. I got cat ears. I got a unicorn horn. I got Mm -hmm. rainbow My Little Pony pants. I got, Mm -hmm. right, I usually do it up. So there's a way to prove that you are present in solidarity when you're being looked at. So usually it doesn't get a second glance when you're just walking around. When you're in the booth, depending upon the booth that you're in, at Central Lutheran booth, people will look with curiosity and they'll either join in or they won't. Okay. They'll either have a question or they'll be combative or they won't. Okay. There's really not that many people who are combative. It's really, really, really rare for people to come in and be combative. At the sacred space, there have been a couple of people over the years who have been hurt and shared their hurts, but they haven't been, this is your fault. When I have been wearing my collar and been flipped the bird, that's happened at Holiday Park on Ash Wednesday. That's Uh not happened at the Pride Festival. The people who have come into Pride and stepped onto the sacred space ground have been curious and wondering, why are you here? And when we tell them we're here to tell you that God loves you, they either respond by relaxing their shoulders and saying, oh, or they say, okay, cool, thanks, got any swag? Or just turn around and walk away. It's a much more fluid space. It's a much less aggressive space. It's a much more gracious space than people might expect. That's fascinating. Okay, because this is the church basement, what do you think Jesus would do at Pride? (laughs) Have the best time ever. (laughs) Well, I would certainly want to be near that person because if they can turn water into wine, right? it's going to be a party. It's going to be such a party. (laughs) Yeah. He would have had so much fun. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. You had mentioned that you had been doing Pride for a number of years. How Mm -hmm. have you seen it change? A lot, actually, particularly here in Portland. And I think that lots of people have seen it change a lot over the years. Having been a part of queer community, like I said, for most of my life, so the better part of 22 years, longer than that, actually, but particularly being a part of organized queer community and festivals and those kinds of pieces here on the West Coast for the last 22-some years. Mm -hmm. Pride festivals have become increasingly corporatized. Oh, yes. My children rage against corporate pride and the merch. Absolutely. And here in Portland, we've certainly seen that. We see it in the parade, and we see it in the festival grounds at the Waterfront Festival. And what I've seen in the kind of folks who attend the Pride Festival grounds are the first couple of years, it was a little more all kinds of queers who would show up. Lots of different age groups. Those who remind me of my friend group and older, Mm -hmm. as well as new younger folks. And then over the last couple of years, it had gotten increasingly younger and more and more exclusively younger folks. And I will say that more of the individuals who have been queer for a longer period of time Mm -hmm. are attending the official events 
less. Okay. They're going to their own pride events. They're doing their own pride things that are less corporatized and are less organized by those in the majority. And they're attending things that are more organized by even the margins of the margins. But who's coming to the festival and why I still believe that the festival is important Mm -hmm. and why I still choose to show up to the festival and why I still advocate for the church to show up at the festival is because there are still those who are coming back to the festival year after year. We have regular visitors at the Sacred Space booth who tend to come to find us. Mm -hmm. And those regular visitors at the Sacred Space booth who come to find us year after year are oftentimes individuals who live in more rural communities. Sure. And they plan to come into Portland for the Pride Festival. And they come in for this time of larger community. And it's that opportunity as someone who lives in the rural area to be a part of, to see that larger community. And they may not have those ends with the quieter organizing within the urban environment to be able to be a part of those other events. It is also very common for people to be coming from out of state. Oh, really? Particularly from Idaho or Utah. That makes sense. And young folks, Mm -hmm. early 20s, either just out of college or just towards the end of college, just with their bit of money that they're able to travel and old enough to be able to travel on their own. And they're coming to Portland and they happen to be in town for pride. And it's their first pride ever. And that's a lot. It's a lot of people Mm -hmm. who show up with big eyes and nervous hands and a tentative new pin on their shirt. Uh And I get it. I get it. And I think being present for those individuals for whom opportunity and environment and safety in a world where the kinds of laws that are being passed day after day and the kinds of congregations that are advocating against them and the kind of faiths that are saying that they are not worthy to be that sacred space and to be that congregation that is present to say God is here in this place and you are loved by God. You are created wonderfully and beautifully. God celebrates you. And this is a place of God's promise. The rainbow is a promise of your creation, that you are created beautifully. That is important. And I'm not wanting to co-opt the rainbow from the LGBTQIA creation of the rainbow as symbol. Mm -hmm. I'm coming alongside of that for Christian folk specifically for Christian folk for whom the rainbow has the very specific Genesis connotation Mm -hmm. and queer folk for whom the rainbow has a very specific set of symbolism that both of those symbols live alongside of one another for us. And so how do we help newer Christian queers try to find their way in that? 
And so it's hard to be there with Nike. It's <laughs> right. I don't One love would that. Hope that by but, bringing the corporate in, you're also helping to change the larger discussion as a whole. But I also have seen this country, and I know that's not really how it works. Right? It's really not. But at the same time, Target is getting compression garments available to people. Yep. So we're just gonna make the best of what we've got and we're going to find a way forward. So we take the path we have before us and we try to save lives. And if we can save a life by being a sacred space at Pride in the midst of what is increasingly corporatized and there are young people trying to find their way there, Mm -hmm. then we will be there. We will spend the money and invest the time And we will be there. Excellent. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Do you get like spontaneous requests from people either at the central booth or the sacred space booth from anything from can you marry us on the spot to will you bless my whatever? (laughs) Yes and yes. Okay. Marriage is not so much. We did one wedding. Oh, really? Yes. We've done one wedding at the Sacred Space booth, but it was not completely spontaneous. It was someone who had a relationship with Pastor Meckley, and they had their license. They were known to the pastor. Little preparation ahead of time. Little prep ahead of time. It was all good. Okay. Blessings, absolutely. And we bless everything. (laughs) At the sacred space booth. Everything, huh? I will bless anything. At the same, I have blessed goats. I have blessed dogs. I have blessed people. I have blessed houses in abstentia. I bless anything and everything. I love it. <laughs> That's wonderful. If nothing else, go find Pastor Man at Pride and she will bless things for you. That's right. <laughs> wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Man, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Pride. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And I hope for all of you who are out there that you have a glorious Pride Month. As you ponder things in your heart, as you question, as you learn, if you have any questions, would like to learn more, you are welcome to reach out. You can send those questions to podcast at centralportland.org. I would be happy to answer them. Until we are back in your ears again, happy pride. And remember, God loves you no matter what.